Welcome to Praying the Psalms with Jesus, a video series that helps us understand and teaches us and comforts us that when we pray, we don't pray alone. Uh, specifically, when we pray the Psalms, we always pray them with Jesus. So we've been talking about these three stages of life, uh, the blessed life and life in the pit and God's uh, rescue and redemption, uh, his work among us, drawing us out of that pit. And each of those stages there, we say there's a psalm for that. And uh, this is especially comforting when we deal with the, the, the emotion of anger or rage, uh, especially at, uh, uh, at the injustice that we, that we experience or that we see. And again, because our emotions, along with our, our body, is, uh, that they are, you know, these emotions are also corrupted. I mean, we are new creations in Christ. We do think differently. We do feel differently. But the sinful nature still resides within us. And uh, all things, again, are corrupted by the devil, the evil one. But God himself wants to recreate us and, again, make us new in Christ Jesus. So the Psalms allow us to express um, these different areas of life, these very deep and volatile uh, emotions. And, uh, again, when God gives us the words to speak in the Psalms, we can have a sense and be sure that, you know what, we haven't crossed the boundary on this one. We haven't taken uh, matters into our own hands or, or our words uh, begin to curse uh, and go beyond what God himself has, uh, has allowed or revealed. And so there's a psalm for, uh, for uh, this area of our life. Now, this is called, um, I have to say it, I don't use the word often, imprecatory. I hope I said that right. Imprecatory psalms. Um, you could say imprecatory just means the opposite of blessing, uh, the opposite of blessing someone. It's calling out to God to vindicate you, for God to act, for God to do something, uh, for God to give them what they deserve. So you could really call it a uh, we want justice psalm, right? Um, and so it can be this, this sense of not just praying for and we pray for blessings, we pray for you know God's activity, but also in this sense, praying against, praying against enemies. Now, in the broadest sense of the word, the enemies again are the unholy trinity, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. And so these imprecatory psalms, these praying against psalms, you know, God do something uh, psalms, they're they're really the songs of the helpless the songs of the oppressed, the vulnerable, uh, the weak. Uh, they're a cry for justice. And again, uh, God gives us words to pray against the enemies. So think enemies this way, the unholy trinity, the devil and his demons. They're the ultimate enemy. Uh, again, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the principalities, the dark forces in the world. That's what Ephesians 6 reminds us. There's this corrupted world, which is against all of God's ways, uh, his will uh, against the kingdom. And you could even say, you know, we're fighting ourselves, this own, this sinful flesh that resides with, within us. And so we don't take matters into our own hands. So this is where the boundary is helpful. 
Uh, we don't take matters into our own hands and get justice, you know, as a renegade, you know, out to do it ourselves. Rather, we take it up with God and we place the matter into his hands. Another way of saying it is we commend it into his hands. Uh, Romans 12 verses 17 through 19 give, gives us this, uh, this framework to talk about, um, dealing with this cry for justice against our enemies. The Apostle Paul says, um, Romans 12, and this is the New International Version, says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then it says, verse 19, Do not take revenge, revenge. Do not take revenge. Even the word has this... uh, uh, attitude about it, right? Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And so we take it up with God. We don't take the matter into our own hands. Uh, we commend it into his hands. And the Psalms, again, give us the words to do that. Uh, they help us stay within the boundaries. So here's an example. Psalm 5. Beginning at verse uh, 5. The arrogant, the psalmist says, will not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You will destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. I mean, I, I think it's really quite comforting to know that we have a God who is on the right side of things. Right? He is the God who gives uh, the perfect law. Love God, love neighbor. And so he does, you know, clearly articulate what's right and what's wrong. And for there not to be this in-between or your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. No, there is the, you know, the will of God, the way of God, the law of God, independent of what you and I uh, think. And so we, we pray uh, these imprecatory psalms, the arrogant aren't going to stand in your presence. You hate workers of iniquity. You destroy those who speak lies. You abhor bloodthirsty and deceitful men. Verse 10 continues, Hold them guilty, God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Thrust them out into the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. Right? So, there's a sense of God, do something. Act. You are a God of justice, perfect and, uh, and righteous. And there is all of this that is going on in your world. Uh, in us, uh, do something. Psalm 10, another example. Why do you stand far off, Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? I mean, isn't that the case when we see uh, this injustice, when right is not uh, lived out in our world and wrong seems to be rewarded? Um, And so you cry out, uh, verse 12 of Psalm 10, Arise, Lord, Lift up your hand. Don't forget the helpless. And then it gets pretty um, pretty specific. Verses uh, 13 and following of Psalm 10 says, Why does the wicked person condemn God and say in his heart, God won't call me to account? So there's, again, this pride. Like, well, the world's going to say, I'm going to do, do whatever I want, and, and God's not going to do anything. And you're right in the midst of it, right? So verse 14 
But you do see trouble and grief, the psalmist says. You consider it to take it into your hand. You help the victim and the fatherless. And then verse 15, break the arm of the wicked. Wow, break the arm of the wicked. I mean, sometimes we're shocked by such, you know, such words, break the arm of the, of the wicked. Again, uh, these imprecatory psalms, vindicate me, act, do something. I mean, they're prayed out of that place of, of oppression and, and helplessness, and we're weak and we're vulnerable and a cry for justice. And God gives us words to speak. And so there's a whole list of psalms um, that give us the words uh, to take it up with God. And again, we don't take matters into our own hands. We don't go off and break the arm of the wicked man. Uh, we commend that into God's hands and say, uh, you act on behalf of the helpless, the vulnerable. And we stay within those boundaries that God himself has given to us because he's given to us those words uh, to pray. So uh, this little excursion, um, you know, I'll provide some psalms there for you uh, and you can work through them and you can see how uh, we pray against the unholy trinity, praying against the devil and his demons, the enemies, the corrupted world, and even our own sinful flesh. And the psalms uh, remind us uh, that we can take it up with God. We can commend it into his hands. We don't take the matter into our own hands, but rather leave it up to God. So again, remember, take heart that even in the imprecatory psalms, um, we have uh, the promise that we don't pray the psalms alone. We always pray them with Jesus. Jesus.